You're listening to the Summer Camp Music Festival Podcast with your host, Camp Counselor Derek. Ahoy, campers! We are getting closer. Spring is almost here, folks. Although it certainly doesn't feel like it in the greater summer camp area. Uh, We're starting to feel the itch from being cooped up in the all winter, which is part of what makes Memorial Day so great, though. You have to suffer a bit for feeling that feeling you get when the festival season is just starting. So uh, Mo is touring through the first half of March, and it looks like they get a little break before camp. And Umphreys is training hard for camp on their Wax On, Wax Off tour right up through May. Uh, Today my guest is a former member of Yonder Mountain String Band and one half of 30DB with Brendan Bayless of Umphreys. That's right, it's summer camp veteran Jeff Austin making his big return to camp with his band this year. Uh, We got to talking about the good and the bad at summer camp, and here's a clip from that. Oh, good music is good music, right? Exactly, I mean, you know. People can tolerate a band like Humphreys McGee, you know I mean? In the last episode, I ran through some of the artists that I'm excited about seeing. Well, there's one big one in the lineup that I didn't mention. Folks, the mothership is landing at summer camp for the last time. Now, I, I can't confirm this, but people on the interwebs are talking, and they're talking about this being the last festival for George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic. Well, at least for George Clinton, anyway. Uh, Billboard had reported that George was going to retire in May. His website still has dates into August. Uh, But only a couple and no festivals. Well, I say we need to send one of our funk forefathers out in style. I want everyone in attendance for this show. No excuses. Also, congrats to George, who just received the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Grammys. In camp news, uh, the people up the ladder asked me to tell you about the volunteer initiatives, and uh, here's the uh, cliff notes of what they had to say. Do people still know what cliff notes are? Anyway, uh, applications are now available to be a soul soul patch collaborator. Uh, They're looking for people to do demonstrations regarding urban gardening, permaculture, natural buildings, sustainable design, and regenerative uh, agriculture. If You'd like to share a skill, teach a class, make some art, get creative, or shine whatever is in your heart. You can contribute to a workshop at Summer Camp Music Festival. You can apply to be a part of a Soul Shine workshop. And applications are now open for visual artists and installation artists. You can be a part of the Soul Shine Live Art Gallery. You could display your works to festival patrons or paint live at one of the musical acts. So, what do you guys do when you're not camp counselors? We're highly successful artists. And as artists, we live in Springfield's most artistic borough. Sprooklyn. We spend our days acting and painting. Dancing and sculpting. Playing my Gibson. Rehearsing my Ibsen. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, gripe, requests, marital advice, limericks, or good old-fashioned spam, you can email me at podcast at summercampfestival.com. So, as I said, my guest today was formerly a lead singer and mandolin player in Yonder Mountain String Band. His first camp gig was back in 2004 as a solo act, and he made five appearances with Yonder Mountain, as well as some shows with Brendan Bayless of Umphreys as 30DB. Here's the interview. (laughs) 
Hey, summer campers. I am here with Jeff Austin. How are you today, Jeff? I'm great. I'm fantastic. Great. Um, we're happy to have you returning to summer camp this year after a, a kind of a hiatus. Um, my first question, though, before we get into summer camp stuff, uh, for every artist is, uh, what was your first concert? And uh, I'm particularly interested with you because you grew up near where I grew up. My first concert, I, I, I attended other music events and this and that, but the first concert I actually went to was Jay Giles Band. 1983 at Poplar Creek. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, 1983 freeze frame tour, you know, full blown. Um, I'm I'm an only child from a single mom, so when I was younger, we had a family that we were really close to. Who um, there was a woman named Mary Sable who was the daughter, and she babysat me from when I was, gosh, probably two, maybe even younger than that, until I was nine, ten. And I got to go to all these concerts when I was younger because I got introduced to all this great music by Mary Sable. And um, so, yeah, 1983 was the first one. I actually still have the ticket stuff. Love comes once and when it comes, you better grab it fast because sometimes the love you grab ain't going to last. And I believe I must have. You know, I think I must have. You know, baby, I think I must have. You know, I think I must have. I must have got love. Like a long time to come How can I be so blind, baby Not to see you on the wall I let you slip on from me, baby I let you walk on by To the love you have for me I refuse to love I let it die That's awesome. You're you're the first one to have the same venue as me for the uh, for their first concert. My first no concert way! Was you at went Poplar to Poplar Creek, Creek too. too, man. Oh yeah, that was the coolest music venue in the world. It was like buried in this big like corporate center thing. Uh huh. It's places like that. I saw Jerry Garcia band there in 1989 with Clarence awesome. Clemens on sax. So yeah, man, that, that that I saw Ario Speedwagon there the same year and stuff like that. So in 1983, so. Yeah, mine, mine was probably just a, a couple years later. Right, my first one was Huey Lewis in the news with the with no sub dudes opening. Whoa! This is sub dudes opening. That's this is sub dudes opening. Awesome. And uh, the only other concert I remember going to there was Chicago, and uh, not not to knock Chicago, but in that era and the age I was, I ended up. I think we got free tickets, and I think I ended up falling asleep at that show. You know, I I. <laughs> I saw Bob Seger there and mm-hmm. sat in the lawn and fell asleep. Fell <laughs> dead asleep. Silver bullet to her and, and I just just didn't do it for me. Just didn't didn't light me up. And I, I that's so <laughs> it's pretty damn funny actually. Yeah, I I remember sitting on 
on the on the blanket out in the in the field, and all of a sudden I was just like, man, this is not cutting it for me right now. <laughs> I woke up. Mary's like, it's time to wake up. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's almost over. So um, you grew up in Elk Grove Village, actually. That's pretty close to uh, where my office is. Yeah, uh, I, grew, I, I grew up there. I, I'll tell you, I lived I, – I really lived in every possible, like, northwest suburb. I lived in Elk Grove. I lived in – well, Prospect, I lived in Rolling Meadows, Arlington Heights. Uh, I lived for a period of time in the early 80s downtown in Humboldt Park. About 1983, 1984, lived down there. Um, I, I and you know, currently live in the north suburbs, kind of near Lake Zurich and, and Mundelein area. So, oh, that's um, up, yeah. I actually grew up in Algonquin, so I grew up kind of up no there. way. Yeah, yeah, I we moved back. I lived in Col- I grew up around here and lived in Colorado for 20 years and then moved back here about two years ago, a little over two years ago. You know, I was, I was thinking earlier, because um, I, I read what was on Wikipedia about you, and, and uh, I, I was <laughs> All thinking... All true. All of it. You are, every, you every are the third... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you get a general outline and you hope the major things are true, but... <laughs> Um, I I was thinking earlier though. Oh, this is my third guest who moved out to Colorado to play essentially bluegrass or a bluegrass instrument. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, oh yeah, it was Vince Herman. And who is the other one? And I thought, oh, it was Dave Johnston. Dave Johnston, so, nice, yeah. Um, and and you know, I'm I was the one. I, you know, I'm not tooting the horn. I was the one who convinced Dave to move to Colorado. We uh, I think he was living in. Portland or Seattle? I can't remember which one. But when I moved to, when I left Illinois to move to Colorado, because I had gone in 1997 to Rocky Grass, and which was blown away. Like I, I play. I felt like I played music. I know I had a ticket to the festival, but I don't know how much of the festival I really actually saw, because I connected with all these great people and just played a ton of music and. There was uh, advertisement for a thing called the Hoodoo Bash, and the Hoodoo Bash in 1997 at Planet Bluegrass in Lyons, Colorado, was leftover salmon with special guests Sam Bush and John Cowan. Wow. String Cheese Incident, I think, played second. They played at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, Left Hand String Band did a thing, and it was it just that changed my entire life. That was when I was like, all right, well. I'm moving to Colorado. I'm going to do everything I have to do. And so, yeah, I moved to Colorado in January of 98 and got involved in a little bluegrass kind of trio thing with Greg Garrison, who plays bass for Leftover Salmon now and has for, God, what, almost 20 years now? 20 years now? Mm-hmm. And I remember... That band had a cool name, right? Yeah. <laughs> we were... Well, the band I was in with Dave... In the mid '90s, was called the Blue Grass Holes, the and then the band that I was in with uh, Greg was called Fireweed. <laughs> and uh, and you know all plant based, of course Colorado plant based you know names. But I remember calling <laughs> Dave and being like, "Hey man, um, you you should move out here. We should, I think I think we should start a band out here." And and you know, lo and behold. What ended up happening? So it's once again time for the part of the show where we have song with the word Colorado in it. That's where you all go, woo, woo, yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, um, let's see. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, you have an album from 2015 called Simple Truth, right? <laughs> yes, the uh, the the most hated record in my entire uh, catalog career. And you know what? I'm I'm proud of that. I'm quite by, proud of the by fact. Who? That... Hated by who? Oh, by I would say uh, 98% of people said <laughs> like maybe like the music I made. Oh, um, is, is that a function of the Parting from ways with yonder, do you think? Or? You know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not 100% sure. You know, I, when that record was kind of first being made, the the thought of any sort of separation was not even kind of out there in the world, and um, it, it was for me, it was, it was, I was kind of looking for an opportunity to. I had this list of songs and I had an idea of how I wanted them played. And I kind of wanted just, it was, it was in my mind, you know, songs like over and over and, and 15 steps and shake me up and stuff like that. I had always heard those songs in really different arrangements rather than, you know, like a four piece acoustic band. And with Yep Rock who put the record out, I had this opportunity to make it that way. And so I did. And I just thought, you know, Hey, you know, Here's a guy. I'm, I'm just a guy, and I'm just putting out these songs in this record, and and you know maybe it'll just be kind of taken as a collection of songs. And it was not. People <laughs> freaking hated that. It's like to this day, you know, it's um, I you know, but for me, it's, I I'm just, I'm just really proud of that record. I mean, yeah, the, I don't the, hate it. <laughs> the fuck, well, good, well, awesome, thank you. That's good. So I think we're down to 97 now. (laughs) And when those lights go down, it's just you and me, we are moving on the floor. I said you're going to wake me up, shake me up, mama, like I because I had done, you know, one thing for so long. Yeah. You know, I remember when making records with Yonder when we decided to put drums on. I mean, it was people. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, really? That, you're going to freak out that much? Um, drums don't belong in bluegrass, Jeff. Yes, it, except for the Osborne brothers. And, uh, oh, I, oh, I'm sorry. I could keep quoting, you know, seldom seen. And I, I yeah, but you're right. I mean, drums don't belong in bluegrass. It's, uh, <laughs> well, I know I know you're a fish fan, and I, I've also already told the story on the podcast, but I'm going to say it to you again. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the story about Fishman said. Uh, I think he told Dell or or Ronnie McCurry um, that backstage at one of the festivals one time. He's oh, oh, I listened to I, I learned a drum by listening to your music. And he said, well, our, our music doesn't have drums, and he said exactly. 
I made yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And, and that that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, and it's it's there's something about the pacing of bluegrass music that makes it so naturally acceptable to percussion. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you if you look at a four piece lineup like my band or whatever, you know, you have the texture, which is the banjo. And then you have the, the body, which is the, the guitar, which if you think about like fish, so you have tray banjo, mm-hmm. and then you have page texture, and then you have the rhythm section and the rhythm section is the mandolin and the bass. Now, when let's say the mandolin starts soloing, it's kind of up to somebody to keep that chop going, but you you don't have to kind of whack it like a mandolin like tuk, 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 tuk. you know you can if if the if the banjo's in the right dynamic and has the right kind of pacing going on with with its you know um rhythm and stuff that click i i can i call it kind of like the boom click you know bass goes mm-hmm. boom mandolin goes boom. you have that naturally kind of happening so that's 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 a pretty cool quote from from john to, to say that um because you know it's I, and I've, I've, I think we probably spoke about it before. I, you know, we spent some time with, I spent actually a bunch of time with John when he did a bunch of shows with Yonder before Fish got back together and everything. And, and um, talking about drumming with music that doesn't have drums will teach you more than drumming with music that has drums because you'll be influenced by whatever you're kind of hearing, you know, so... Yeah, and, and you're also, not you're I mean, not trying if, to if copy talk, someone. Yeah, you're not trying to copy somebody. And also, too, if you're going to play with anybody, as far as rhythmic accuracy, and, but not <laughs> yes. like metronomic, you know, like feeling-wise, Del McCurry, my God, the man, he's the center of the world. <laughs> you know, the clock, the clock beats around him. He's a machine with his instrument and with his voice, too. I mean, all I, those guys with their harmonies are just the I, pinpoint accuracy. Um, Man, I'll tell you, just it was, uh, you know, and also, I mean, congrats to my guys there winning the freaking Grammy and, and bringing it home for the good guys, you know. And it's, it's, uh, I was, we have the same agent, the Traveler McCurries and, and myself and, and Del McCurry. And, uh, I was just on the phone before we got on this call with my agent, who's Baron Ruth from Crossover Touring, who's a badass and works really hard for all of us. And he was saying how much like Dell and those guys were tearing up when they when they got the award. But I mean, yeah, it's you know he's eighty years old. Yeah. He's eighty years old, and and I remember talking to Ronnie recently, and I Dell they had played a set with Dell, and he hit this one note, and I was like, man, that's I mean it's not only high, it's it's accurate, but it's it's so there's like. It's like the blood of the universe is flowing out of it. <laughs> and Ronnie told me, he said, yeah, he said, we were in the studio not so long ago, and Dad's voice is getting higher. <laughs> Throughout time, people may gain, like, I didn't, my voice didn't change until I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And over the last four years, five years, I've found that I've gotten more kind of low range, but I can also still get kind of up there. But, like, knowing the fact that Del McCurry at 80 years old, his range is increasing upwards. That's that's yeah. once in a lifetime. I mean, that's yeah, that's it's unheard of. <laughs> that old train all the way, all the good times, but the pain is here to stay. That old train. 
out every whistle stop that came along Cover every mile of track And I'd bring my baby back Put a happy ending to this song You know, it's like we live in yeah. the time, uh, I, as, as just a fan when I step away from it. I got to see Jerry Garcia play 98 times with the Dead and 50-some-odd times with Garcia Band from 1987 until the last show. And, you know, we get to see Trey, you know, yeah. go from up, down, down, and then where he's at now, which is unfathomably amazing. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and Del McCurry. I mean, we, we live in this time. David Griffin and Doc Watson and these people that we get to watch. You know, it's 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 it, it blows, it, those are the moments where I, I watch people complain about stuff either online or whatever. Blah blah blah. Man, give it a rest. <laughs> we're so lucky. Yeah. We're so lucky. Uh, two weeks ago, I um, I saw Tedeschi Trucks at Chicago Theater, and then I raced oh. it down, um, and we're uh, some co-workers of mine, friends of mine, are we're holding a table at Buddy Guy's, and I got to see Buddy Guy right after oh, the Zesky Truck God. Show. 82 years old, and just old. phenomenal. And and to see Buddy Guy's at, at Buddy Guy at Buddy Guy's, which I've done a couple times, or maybe three or four times now in my lifetime, is there's there's nothing else like it. But also, to, I mean, what you just said, you went from Tedeschi Trucks, yeah, oh, at the Chicago that. Theater, cruise across town see the man at the place named after the man yeah and I'll, I'll i'll tell you one i i have i actually just told my wife this story two days ago but I, I i'm not trying to like stray off path but one of my favorite stories in all of 25 years of doing music involves buddy guy um can i yeah yeah please do cool <laughs> all right um there's a festival in memphis called memphis in may and it's not only the uh the uh, you know, like the recognized barbecue championship competition of the U.S., but it is a badass festival. I mean, this festival is unreal. And I remember being there. Yonder Mountain got to play it, fortunately, I think three years in a row. And I remember this one year, there were a lot of concerns because they had a lot of rain, and they didn't know if the festival was going to happen. It was, you know, that, but so I woke up in the bus backstage. Um, and I kind of came to and got on my bunk and everything. And I heard the MC introducing somebody and I was like, and then the crowd went nuts. Right. So we're in Memphis. Okay. Crowd goes nuts. And I, all of a sudden I just hear this music. I was like, Whoa, what is going on out there? So I walk off the bus and it was, it had rained so much that the ground was really saturated. So they had pallets. And they had from, like it was like a it was like a bridge, but it was all pallets, you know, just one width pallet. You know, pallets are what three feet wide, four feet wide. Mm-hmm. And so I walk along the pallet, and I'm hearing this guitar, I'm hearing this rhythm section. I'm like, why does this sound so familiar? And I walk on stage, and what was happening was, Double Trouble was doing Stevie Ray Vaughan's band was doing yeah, a yeah. reunion 
featuring Buddy Guy on guitar. Because who can fill Stevie Ray Vaughan's shoes yeah. anyway? And you know who has to follow this act? Yonder Mountain <laughs> String Band. And I'm sitting I'm like, screw that. No way. And I'm standing on stage and I'm watching Buddy Guy's in this like dark purple satin shirt, pouring sweat. It's kind of misting. He's just killing it. You know, I mean, they're just, Jimmy's up there. They're just, I mean, the band, it's unreal. There was a guy who worked crew for Yonder who was on stage setting up gear. I looked at him. I'm like, I'm not going up there. And he's like, well, you have to, but I don't <laughs> kind of want you to. I was like, I don't know. So I, I remember running back and forth from, from the stage across this pallet bridge to the bus. And I was like, guys, double trouble with buddy guys on stage. And they're like, oh, they're warming up or whatever. I was like, you have to. We're going to die. We're, we're going to get killed. <laughs> like, we're in Memphis, the home of the blues. And we have to go and follow this. Well, at least you weren't so, a blues band having to follow that. That Yeah, oh, thank God. I mean, seriously, at least it was a change of pace. So, But I remember right as they were kind of wrapping up their set, I thought, well, I'll go to the bus. We're going to talk about the set list and wrap stuff up. So I went back. And, and you know, they're changing over, and it's like a half an hour in between. And, and I grabbed my mandolin. I was like, all right, I'm going to walk to the stage and get ready to put on my in-ears and get ready for the set. So I walk off the bus. The crowd, you can just feel the buzz. I mean, they killed it. I mean, it's you know, it's the first time Double Trouble had reunited in years and blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I walk off the bus and I'm walking along the pallet thing. And I've got, kind of got my mantle on my shoulder and my head down thinking, like, do we have the right set? Like, what can I do? And, and I look up and coming towards me is Buddy Guy. <laughs> Soaked. His shirt is just soaked in sweat and rain. His guitar is over his shoulder, you know, slung like a machine gun. Polka dot guitar? Yeah, and and he's walking directly towards me. Now, I'm walking on pallets. There's not much space. Yeah. Now, I've also never met him, you know, big hero. We're the only two people walking on this little pallet bridge, and he walks up, and, and he picks up his head, and he looks at me. I looked at him, and I was like, Mr. Guy, he's like, buddy. And I was like, okay, buddy. That was unbelievable. I, I can't believe that. That was so incredibly good. You know, just it, it, it's such an honor to meet you. And I'm I'm just so honored to get to, like, listen to that music you just made with them. Like, it was so special. He's like, oh, man, thank you. Thanks for that. He saw my mandolin. He's like, are you playing? I was like, yeah, we're uh, we're up next. We're We're playing next. And he looked at me smiled and he pointed at me and he goes well good luck that's what right past me and i went damn it <laughs> damn you buddy guy buddy guy he just, but he pointed at me with like the like the finger and the thumb up and he was like well good luck and i just went oh my god <laughs> i got up on stage i i i it was the most disconjointed disconnected i was like i didn't know what the hell was going on that whole set just that vision of like, good luck. And I thought, oh, buddy guy. I can see him. I bet he gave you that. I mean, he's got the most infectious smile, too. And he did. I mean, his smile, he was so, I just, I couldn't even believe I was like shaking his hand and standing next to him. I was so, so grateful for that. He was so gracious. And and when he smiled and he did that, and he didn't, I mean, there was nothing ill will meant, but when he said good luck, sure. I just thought, you are such a badass. <laughs> <laughs>
Have you ever been mistreated? Well, then you know just what I'm talking about. Yeah, man, I like that. I'm glad I stayed out here. I ever been mistreated? Then I, you, ow, ow, you, you know what I'm talking about. I worked five long years for one woman. And she had enough. You kick me out. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I got a job at a steel mill. And I'm chucking steel just like a slave. And five long years, every Friday, people, I went straight home. tangent but that that's you mentioned buddy guy that's one of my favorite moments i've ever had and been doing all this crazy driving around music stuff no i'm absolutely i mean especially having just seen him and and i was really hoping to go there thinking uh tedeschi trucks would show up either Derek trucks or season tedeschi and uh they did a week later um, oh, we, oh, because they did the, the residency thing. It was the residency. Well, for both yep. of them, uh, the Tedeschi Trucks residency at the Chicago Theater and Buddy Guy's residency in, in wow. January that he does. Wow. Ugh. But yeah, um, again, yeah. we live in this time with these people that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So much good live music out there. Uh, I, I certainly want to cover, uh, because I know that it'll be of interest to the summer camp listeners, uh, I want to talk about 30DB just a little bit. Hmm. Um, I guess my first question is, uh, what's the significance of 30 dB, 30 decibels? What's, what is that? Um, you know, I, I, I have to be honest with you. Um, that is not the reason behind the name of the band. Um, the, uh, the true reason behind the, the name 30 dB, I, I actually cannot divulge. It's oh. something that, that Brendan and I came up with. My gosh, I want to say, what was that, over a decade ago? I can't believe it's been that long. I, I, whenever I think of how long it's been since we came up with that name, I think, how long was it for Brendan and I to produce half a dozen kids with our families? So that would be that would be a little over a decade ago. Um, 
I can say that the the meaning behind the band has great humor to both of us, and maybe at some point we'll be free to kind of divulge what it's what it's about. But all right, fantastic! I didn't know it was just, a secret, just, I'm, I'm still glad I asked. We uh, well, you know, we we did actually when we came up with the name, we laughed about it for the better part of two days, and then we were kind of like, no, I think that's actually kind of a good name. And at the time, we we ran it. We were doing a writing session. We were doing. We'd get together and write all these songs. And we came up. We were like, well, we have to name this thing. We can't just have it be, you know, Brenda Bales and Jeff Austin. That's stupid. You know, that's, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so we came up with the name and we told it to our our managers because we were talking about the, making the record and we had a conference call and they both were not super psyched with the idea. And we thought it's kind of funny to us. So therefore, we're just going to go with it, you know. And so <laughs> at some point. You know, I think it's. I think it kind of stems from. He's a fan of Frank Zappa, and I am too. And there's a lot of stuff in Zappa's world that are kind of inside jokes, or you know. Yeah, well, I was thinking of fish when you said it. I mean, there's yeah, so many of that. Oh, and of course, and fish, fish as well. You know, I mean, if you, I would love to see if you played from a modern day fish band who had no idea about the secret language. They're like, why are you playing the Simpsons song? It's like, well, it's because it's funny. It's part of the thing, <laughs> or that's why they fell down on. You know, there's certain things you just can't explain. So, but at some point, and we're actually doing a set at summer camp. So, oh, that was my next uh, question. You're, I don't think you're on the lineup yet, so that's next. We are. Well, we're in. We're in. Uh, we're in deep uh, contract negotiation. They were not <laughs> able to meet our rider needs. You know, we have to have uh, a all green M and M's. Well, no, green M and M's are that's so passe. No, uh, a helicopter. We don't actually get in the helicopter because don't ever don't. No, helicopters are scary. But uh, a, a white Speaking tiger... Speaking of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, jeez. Oh, that was not what I was intending at <laughs> all. Uh, you know, an, uh, a white tiger, a uh, cub. Um, uh, let me see. Three tour buses. They just they weren't able to meet our uh, meet our needs. So we're, <laughs> we're currently in contract negotiations with them. So rumor has it Thursday night we're doing the, the kind of kickoff little celebratory set of weirdness that we did. I think awesome. it's I been six years ago now. It's been a long time. I just realized it's been five years since I've been to summer camp. That's that's crazy. So <laughs> you were at one of the early days. So I, I, I've been to all 19, but uh, your first appearance was in 2004 as a solo band. Yep. Or, or was solo. it just completely solo? Was it just just you? It was completely – well, it was me for the majority of it, and then I had some friends of mine that were there that came up and sat in. But the first – I think I had an hour set and the first half an hour I did by myself. And then I had some friends that were there that came up and, and played with me. So, and I think, uh, I think I did manage to find Cuckoo's Nest in Riverside from that show, <laughs> which is, it's hard when I'm, when I'm trying to find clips to cut in, it's, it's really hard to find stuff from, from back in the, the first 10 years. Well, uh, you know, back in the day when I wore really baggy, probably green corduroy pants and had glasses and probably had a hat on. Cubs hat, un- unfortunately Cubs profusely. hat. <laughs> unfortunately a Cubs hat. Oh, come on. You know I'm my, a my fan. whole. You're a you know what, though? I got news for you. It's your, It's the, the, the dawn of the age of the White Sox is coming. You have so much great talent. Man, Young sure so. And also pitchers and catchers report today. So, oh yeah, yeah. How about that? That's uh, this will come out in a couple of weeks, but well, but well, well, a couple of weeks from now we'll actually be playing baseball games and be even happier. So yeah, but um, 
but yeah, that, I, I I remember doing doing that set, and I like I vividly remember doing that set because that I flew in and it was raining that morning, and I had an octave mandolin that they left on the tarmac. I flew into uh, Bloomington Normal Airport, the little tiny one I connected mm-hmm. through Chicago and. And I remember sitting on the plane and seeing my instrument just sitting there on the runway, being rained on. I was like, please, someone pick up, please pick up my instrument. Don't let it be destroyed. Dream, my little dream of you with your golden hair and your eyes so blue. Like a song Tchaikovsky play that make me come on slowly. The raven hair, it makes me mad. And the insane smile, it makes me glad. California dreaming and the Mississippi smile, it makes me come on slowly. Trying to be real cool and soft so I won't take a chance of turning you off. Watching how you operate when the chips are down, that makes me come on slowly. It isn't that I would want to make it all come true, baby. If I had a chance to be in love with you, watching how you operate when the chips are down, it may, 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 makes me come on. And then playing the set and kind of hanging out all day. And then it started kind of getting nasty at night. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to sleep in the back of my rental car. Forget it. You know, I don't need to go get a hotel and everything. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to leave. And so I left and I, I drove to Bloomington. And when I got there, I got into the hotel and turned on the TV. And lo and behold, there was a, a tornado. I'm fairly certain that kind of went through that area. Yeah, I recall. uh, I heard something about there was a a big VIP tent that had pool tables and stuff in it. Those pool tables kind of got flipped around. Yeah, Yeah. you know, it's dicey time of the year to throw throw a festival. Yeah, there's been two evacuations, I think. Well, there there was one. I think that that year you're talking about, 2004, that would have been, I, I believe... Actually, that year, they they just told everyone to go. This was before they really had yeah. a had a plan, and then every so they sent they kind of sent everyone out into the tornado, not to not to sell out the festival. <laughs> but, so the what festival a, what a month, wise! But, you know what? We grow we grow wiser as the years pass, and I'm sure like yeah. we just keep everybody here rather than send them out into the fray. It was a different time. Well, and also <laughs> yes, but but no less. Still a cop, still a police presence around the festival. <laughs> oh yeah, come to us, come to us. So, yeah, I'll, um, I'll tell you, I for years, um, my existence was doing summer camp and then another festival and then like Del Fest. And I remember for a couple of years in that early 2000s kind of a thing, where like there was a big storm at summer camp or there was a big storm at Del Fest or there was a big storm at you know whatever festival is happening in Ohio. And like not being there for it, so I think I kind of missed out. But maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. I've I've been through four tornadoes in my life. I think I'm pretty good. Oh, I 
I was in one in the Dell in Wisconsin Dells once where uh, I was in my car. I had to pull over, but the car actually started to move a little bit. Wow. That's, I mean, that's usually the scariest thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. I, the, out of the four, the two biggest I remember was I lived in an apartment. I was on the second floor with an ex-girlfriend of mine a long time ago who had this cat that was the worst cat ever. And, um, sirens started going off around town and the TV flipped on. It was like, go to a basement. Well, there wasn't a basement. So we went down to the first floor in this like collective hallway and I had to hold the cat and the cat was clawing like about a half an inch deep into my shoulder. I would let that cat go. I was like, you know what? You're about ready to go free. <laughs> You're about to be. But it was the kind of thing where it was a long hallway where one end, there was a door with a window. The other one was a door with a window, and the wind was blowing different directions. I was like, oh, that doesn't seem good. And then um, the other one was I was a lot younger and camping and had a watchman, those like old school portable TVs that you could like tune in with long antenna to and, and oh, yeah. the weather the weather switched and I remember being this family I kind of grew up with the dad he had twins and then me and my mom was going to come and meet us she had to finish work and then come and meet us but before that could happen this tornado like they sent the truck through the campground they're like get in the storm shelter and there was a ditch and I remember the, this guy Don Versiglio was our family friend Kicking us off all at once, he grabbed his two kids under one arm, me under the other one, ran us to this ditch. We get in this ditch, and we looked out, and this tornado's moving across the field. And that was wow, one of the trips I've ever seen. I was like, huh, that looks really scary. And there were RVs getting flipped up in the air and stuff like that. So here's hoping that none of that happens during the, 30, the highly contested 30 DB set this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we've already we've already had our share. The odds are in our favor at this point. I'm just I'm I'm stoked to to get to get back and and do that. One of one of the first shows that we ever did, Brendan and I, was at summer camp um, when we had written all this material and stuff and and uh, played sure I was little th- at that set. I was, I was the little pop where first... they had the pop up, the little like uh, easy up kind of tent thing. We're on that little stage with a cooler in between us. Oh yeah, the uh, that would have been at the time that would have been called the the camping stage probably. The camping stage. I I remember it being the everybody was screaming the lyrics at us and Brendan and I were just laughing the whole time going, how do people know these songs? What is going on? We were blown away. We're like, you don't re- you realize this is pretty depressing stuff, right? People didn't care.
any opportunity I have to make music with that man, I just I, I love it. It's it's being having him as a friend of mine is is one of the highlights of my my whole existence. He's he means a lot to me. Okay. I think I saw one of the early Shuba's shows that in the back room of Shuba's. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't I don't suppose that's probably going to happen again though at this point. Uh, you're both too I'm big. Kind of, <laughs> well, that's very gracious of you. Um, I. You know, we we went and played. We actually played more shows last year than I think we have in the previous ten years. We went and played in New York and in Boston. We did a couple shows in Chicago at the City Winery, and and you know, I, I wouldn't count anything out. The fun part is, is we can kind of like let's do a show here, let's do a show here, and and we're fortunate enough to be able to make that happen. You know, awesome. And we even have new stuff that we're, we we have like brand new. We were talking. He is putting a a studio in his house that they're building right now, and I was like, "Well, man, we could make a record, just the two of us." So it's you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. All right. Are you uh, are you working on any stuff for your for for a new solo album at all? We we you know we are actually that's right I told you I was, I was on the phone with my um, my agent we were actually talking about there's a couple different um, record labels that have some interest and you know we're kind of thinking about you know control of material and stuff like that but yeah um, my I just had a new guitar player come in named Julian Davis and he is just incredible he's 19 years old but he's 200 years old in experience and, and, and vibe. And, and he just, he's such a great energy. And, and Jean-Luc Davis who plays bass with me and Kyle Tuttle who, you know, won the Winfield, the, the banjo bluegrass kind of championship thing a year ago um, is just a constant source of joy and energy. And yeah, we have, we have a record ready to go. It's just kind of finding not only the time, but the right way to kind of put it out there. Oh, awesome! But uh, but yeah, it's 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 done. We've we've recorded a couple of tracks already, and it's it's actually kind of weeding through what else to put on there because there's a lot of new material that's you know been generated and coming out. And, but yeah, we have uh, you know it's this year's been pretty good to us so far. We've had a lot of places fill up, and and you know we're really grateful for it and, and it's it's just kind of finding the the next like when to take the next step and in, into making the record but yeah I've, I've i'm dying to get back in the studio and make some music awesome and we'll hear some of those songs at summer camp i presume oh yeah oh you'll, right. you'll hear you'll hear a bunch of those oh yeah all right and uh this will be i i'm counting your seventh summer camp 2004 2006 2010 11 12 and 13 yeah, so, this, will, this will be, and I'm. I, I have to say, I'm. I'm so happy to, to get to come back and play some music. I summer camp to me. I've I've always loved that festival. I've just always loved it. And what you know, Ian and Jay and all those guys are doing. It's 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 just incredible. And and I'm I'm you know also it's a couple hours from my house. So it's, yeah, why not? <laughs> you know, so talking about well, bringing I, the kids be... down and bringing my wife down and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. It'll it'll be interesting for you to see how it's changed for over the last six years or so. It's uh, certainly gotten bigger. Oh, I've 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 seen some of the pictures. I was like, oh, oh my! 
I think some people know that summer camp is happening. And there's like two electronic stages now. It's 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 not. Whoa. Sure. Well, it's you know the trend of music. It's it's you accommodate, and but also too to to give kudos to the people that I, I can't believe I just said kudos, but to people that <laughs> come to that festival, that there's enough demand to come see a band like us, you know, come up there and playing four piece acoustic music, getting weird with it, to having two electronic stages. You know, it's, yes. It's, well, and everything in between. The, the funk. Well, and, and, the, and that's what I mean. Everything in yeah. between. You know, it's it's it, it just it just kind of blows my my mind every time I think about the, the ears, how big the ears are in this scene. You know, that just accommodate all that stuff. Yeah. Well, good music is good music, right? It, exactly. I mean, you know, people can tolerate a band like Humphrey McGee. You know, I mean, it's fat. <laughs> I had to. Come on. That's, like that's that. going to be the intro clip when I'm like, hey, guess who my guest is today? <laughs> you know, a festival where people can tolerate a band like them. Yeah. Catch I might not play the festival. Thanks for having me, but I won't play the <laughs> I, You know what? Bayless doesn't listen to this podcast. Don't worry he about doesn't, it. Find it he has no Facebook account. Come on. He didn't even listen to when I had Andy Farrig on. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Really? Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> let Probably. Andy sing. Give him props. Come on. <laughs> let Andy sing. I am making the shirts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I have uh, kept you uh, already longer than I than I promised you, and I um, we're, we're real excited to. Uh, well, I'm real excited to see uh, both 30 dB and uh, your solo band. Uh, after a six-year hiatus at camp, and it's summer camp 2019. Awesome, man. Well, you know, and i got to say, this is my first podcast I've ever done. Really? Yep. Oh, I'm honored. First one I've ever done. I'm I'm in the plans of starting one this year. Oh, cool. But, uh, but, uh, I, that, you know, that'll be, it's like 30 dB, the name would be disclosed at some point, but, uh, but yeah, so thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm so looking forward when we got the call that we were coming back to summer camp. I was really stoked. So can't All right, wait. man. Looking forward to it. Thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Just bye. Bye. Take your old member all those years ago when you said you love me so said you'd always be mine but you're gonna love and hold somebody else for all time i don't think so think so think So that was Jeff Solo back in 2004 with Riverside. My thanks again to him. Uh, so what was that 30dB thing all about, folks? I was only kind of curious before, but now I really want to know what 30dB means. I will say the dB in the serif font on their album does kind of look like a dick. But speaking of 30dB, our jam of the week is 30dB from Summer Camp 2011, doing What the Night Brings. Be good, y'all. I'll be back in a couple weeks with my next guest, Corey Wong. Suckle from the teeth of greatness. I've got three of them. Uh, I forget microphones are on sometimes.
I could get some of this mandolin as well, I would be extremely grateful to you, sir. And the man in the distance, man behind the curtain. The man with our balls in your hands.